I'm Gab. He's Jules. Great skies over West London. Midweek uh, Premier League Ooh. football. A lot of stuff going on. Arsenal winning. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool winning. Manchester United winning. How about that? Big shout out too to um, those boys at Saarbrücken. Another giant killing in the Pokal. But look, let's not kid ourselves. We got to start Villa Park. Yeah. Aston Villa against Manchester City. Honestly, this game it finished one 0 to Villa. It could have been. I thought Villa could have scored three, four, yeah. maybe even more in this game. Uh, so uncharacteristic. I thought from City, but then I—that's that, that was my thinking. But then I saw their defending wasn't good at the weekend against Spurs either. No, but still, we haven't seen the City team and the Guardiola being so dominated by another team, home and away. They've time they've lost like this season against Arsenal, but that was an even game against Wolves away. But they had a lot of possession. They—you could make a case for them still to be the best team in those games, but. Not on Wednesday the night, they were just second right. second best on everything. Oh, Every little statistic that you can look at. Let's not make the mistake where the more where the better team losing kind of outshines the fact that which I'm guilty of all the time, and I apologize in advance. Outshines the fact that you know the slightly less good team or perceived to be less good team um, beat them. Yeah, we need to show some praise for oh, for that. Aston Villa. 14 games in a row that they've won at home. In the league, yeah. Um, but they really wiped the floor. They destroyed them uh, in a team where the midfield won the game, really. I think, okay, Rodri is out for City, and we know what happens when Rodri is out for City. They'll usually lose unless they play young boys, uh, which is the only team that they beat this season without Rodri. They lost against Newcastle, Arsenal, Wolves, and now Villa. And if you're Unai Emery and you know that there's no Rodri in there. What do you do? I guess you strengthen your midfield. So instead of just playing with Douglas Luiz and Camara, like you've done most of the season, you put Tillemans in there. And then that control that you have over the midfield, which is really very often the key of a game, especially against City, then you, you, you get very dominant there. And I thought Douglas Luiz especially bossed the game massively. Camara was excellent. Tillemans was excellent. And those three, especially against... Akenji, Stones, a bit of Rico Lewis there, whatever you want, was just too strong, too good. Douglas Lewis, of course, a Manchester City, City guy, yeah. uh, a guy who came over very young from yeah. Manchester City. For whatever reason, they felt he wasn't going to make the to make the grade against those midfielders that we saw last night from City, uh, including the ones who came on, Mateus Nunes and whatever. I mean, I saw uh, <laughs> he certainly outshone, outclassed all of them completely. Yeah. Um, but but Pep got again got his team wrong massively. We'll get let, let's let's keep more praise on Villa though yeah. because again I and I'm sorry Villa fans I starting with you Luis Miguel Echegaray and by the way it's not a coincidence I think <laughs> that Villa are in the Champions League spots uh, since Luis Miguel Echegaray moved here uh, clearly the, there's a causal effect there. Um, I'm curious though about you know he he leaves he sacrifices Diaby. Uh, and Zaniolo for this game, who, you know, it started, Zaniolo started the weekend. I think Diaby had, had two. And you go with Leon Bailey, who maybe is the fastest yeah. out of all of them, with Watkins. When I saw that, I thought, all right, you're a little bit, I know you're strengthening the midfield and everything, but you're kind of isolating them. But then I felt what happened in this game, the midfield, the Villa's midfield was so good that yeah. actually they were, 
in the final third a lot of the time and it wasn't just a case of playing on the counter No, you're right and we didn't mention John McGinn who was excellent again but Aston Villa recovered the ball 13 times in the City third so imagine recovering the ball that high City are the most press resistant team really in the right. world you press them but they always found a way to get a spare man and find him and then your press is inefficient and yet Villa yesterday squeezed them out pressed them so well recovered the ball so high that then you didn't, ha you didn't play on the counter because Villa got the ball in the city half anyway so then you give the ball to Bailey to Watkins to McGinn to make a difference I thought Konza was good I thought Luca Ding was amazing on the left hand side and everywhere and what I would say is Unai Emery didn't make a substitution until the 80th minute. So for 80 minutes, Villa played with that intensity, that tempo against the best team in the world without, without dropping that intensity. And I think yeah. that is so impressive because you can do for 20 minutes against City, but that's somebody you tired. But to do it for 80 minutes, wow. Yeah, I'm wondering at what point we're going to stop saying that best team in the world. I'm still going to say it, but I yeah. don't know how much longer. Um, and I, I'll say this. You know, I had, the, I had the United game on and I had this game on and I'd make, I made little notes and the two Holland chances early on. Yeah. And then I look at the end, I'm like, oh, look, there's no more City shots. That's weird. That yeah. I must have forgotten something. And then I go, two shots on goal yeah. in the entire game for Manchester City. I think that has to be a concern as much as some of the defensive foibles. Jules, I think there's a lot to break down in, yeah. this, in this performance, which I don't think is in isolation. Now, obviously, they've won games before. They've drawn games before. That's four games in a row now without a win. Three draws and one defeat. The last time that was April 2017. And in the, the league. Yeah. Um, now, that, that two shots on goal, I think you said it was the lowest. Sorry, that, that's two shots in total, in on target. The whole game, yeah. It happened to both be on target. Both came early, as we mentioned, with Erling yeah. Holland. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very much a collective performance from uh, Aston Villa, but I also have to highlight individually. I thought Diego Carlos, who's you know not my favorite player in the world, but he did a tremendous job in this game. Yeah, he did well. Pau Torres as well, I thought, defensively. The but, way. but it felt to me like it was, it was Diego Carlos who engaged Holland physically I for know, a lot of the I know, but it's easier when there's just no service because City didn't attack. They didn't create anything. They, didn't, they hardly went forward. They never put Villa on the back foot under pressure because they didn't have any control in midfield. Even, even They didn't even try to press. I mean, I've, I've rarely seen City play, even away from home, even in big games. With a medium block, well, yeah, medium, and that's, that's kind of times. I've never seen them hoofing the ball forward, like just clearing the ball and, and, and staying super deep and super low like they did in the second half at nil-nil. I was like, what is going on? This but is the wrong shirt that they're wearing. You, I mean, Pep talks a lot about players taking responsibility in the collective and stuff like that. Equally, you had quality players out there. Oh, Foden, for sure. Fernando Silva, Alvarez. It felt like nobody, nobody took charge, and and obviously yes, they're having trouble getting out, as you mentioned before, with yeah. uh, with with turning the ball over thirteen times in their own third, right? And trouble getting out of the back, but I'm surprised nobody dropped to help out, or or that or that Pep didn't think, and we've seen Bernardo do this before. All right, let me put Bernardo deep. There's no there's no Rodri. Bernardo can, can shield the ball, he can pass the ball, he's yeah. got that quality, right? Uh, out of all of them, he's probably the one guy yeah. who has that versatility. That I, didn't happen in the no, game, but and I that think, really surprised me. True, but then they had no other wide options, though. If Doku or Grealish are fit and not suspended, I think Bernardo plays deeper in the game. 
the fact that Oscar Bob was the only one maybe you could have brought in and play wide to have Bernardo more central and deeper. Maybe because it's true they have a big they have a big squad. They spend a lot of money, etc. We know all of that. But it's true that no Grealish, no Doku, no Rodri. It is a bit <coughs> for what they do and for what they're very good at. Well, it's it's yeah. You, it's okay. a problem. I, I'm sorry, but you it can is a also problem. you can play Alvarez wide, which is where he's played yeah, for but, most of his career, right? But it's still not. It's still I, not there, the same. there are there are things you could have done. It's no, not but, like all of a sudden, oh, we don't have any players. No, do, true. Right? Arthur, for example, they could have played longer on Haaland, and yet the the battle with Diego Carlos, who is one of the most physical and sometimes too physical, too aggressive centre backs in the game, would have been interesting. But they've done it before against Arsenal. They beat the press by playing long and having De Bruyne very close to Haaland. They could have had Alvarez is very close to Ireland and playing off Ireland but they didn't even try that it's just it almost like it felt that Pep didn't know what to do that he got his team wrong that's a fact because you should never go to Villa Park with that midfield ever when you've got Kovacic on the bench when you've got yeah. Calvin Phillips on the bench I'm not a Calif- and uh, Mateus Nunez yeah I'm not a Phillips fan at all but at I, some point I, I, that I think is a good point because I'm thinking if I'm Kovacic or Nunez mm. or Calvin Phillips, all right, Calvin Phillips has probably made peace with it. Yeah, but still. But he's like, I can't play in this game. In this game, right? Away from home, when we can't get the ball out of the back and we're struggling so much in midfield. I, who am a midfielder, and yeah. in the case of Mateus Nunez and Kovacic, a midfielder who just arrived, yeah. I can't start. He would rather play... A center back like John Stones was just coming back from injury. Yeah. Or Manuel Akanji, who, you know, well, had a tremendous season last year, whatever. But as a defender, well, I, I don't know when Akanji became and also, Beckenbauer. They are very right? good in midfield when they play midfield because Rodri is next to them. <laughs> this is the reason, the, the main reason why they're, they, they're okay there, Stones especially, but also because Rodri is there. You take Rodri out, they, they, they are lost and they were completely lost in that game. So why do you, I mean, I is, is this uh, Pep overthink? Is this... Uh... I don't know, it's strange. They play Luton on Saturday. So don't tell me that you kind of rested Kovacic or Calvin Phillips of Mateus Nunez because... <laughs> because you were worried about Luton. So I don't know, he got, it just got it wrong. It happened. Villa with a better team. Maybe they didn't expect the three-man Villa midfield. Maybe. Although I think it was pretty obvious from the beginning, if you looked at the game without Rodri, that, that's what Unai Emery would do. And that's what he did. Um, I, I don't know. It's almost like a brain freeze from Pep all through it. Not at the start with the lineup, and then even through the game with his substitutions. But and by the way, how obviously Rodri, I think is he served a suspension now, right? Yeah, yeah it's game, one game only. Yeah. I mean, how big is that suspension again? So it, this one is too many yellows, obviously. Right. The but one between that this and the one that they had before. Yeah, but the, that one was a red that was which was entirely he unnecessary. Lost, he just lost his dead. Yeah, this one. I mean, this one. We would need to look again at the yellows that he picked up. It might, some of them might have been unnecessary. Some have, might have been like good tactical fouls. I can't remember, to be fair. But, and I know we've talked about this stat before, but if you look at all the, the games that he didn't play for City this season, and there's the win against young boys in the Champions League 3-0 where... But then they lost at Newcastle. They were really not good. So it's, it's not even that they can play well without him and you lose because it, it was just not yeah. happening for you. But they lost... And not playing well in all of those games, pretty much. And that lack of what he misses. And I, I just think it's okay. You, you can you can be without Rodri for an injury for a suspension. But from a club like that, with the money that they have, to not have a backup for Rodri is 
unprofessional. I'm really sorry, but when you, every sporting director, when they when they plan their season, when they plan their, their transfer windows, they have a big board in their office and every position has the two or the three names that players cover that position. So the goalkeepers, you've got three. Right back, you've got three. Left back, you've got three. Centre backs, you've got two and two or three and two and three and three, etc., etc. In the Rodri role, they have Rodri and that's it. How, as a club like Manchester City, you don't have someone to back up or yeah. be the best midfielder in the world, defensive midfielder in the world. But still, get me someone there. Oh, Come on. The, the obvious Rodri alternative is Calvin Phillips. So that, that, that's why he's... Well, no, no, clearly but, not. What I'm saying is, if you talk about like for like, obviously he is, I think, and I does no disrespect Calvin, but he is a lot worse and hasn't performed well since coming there. I can but only it assume... It can't be the replacement because they don't play him when they have to replace Rodri. So right. he's not the but, replacement. But, but, but you're asking, but in terms of skill set, Calvin Phillips is the alternative yeah, yeah. to Rodri. And, and, and maybe, you know, there's your answer there. Because Kovacic and Nunez can, they could have done a job there. Yeah, I guess. But obviously those are different sorts of players. He mm. was viewing them in a different light when, when he signed them. I also think, I don't, I think Ederson was, was poor against Spurs. But yeah. I thought in this game he made some really big saves. And I thought some of the other defenders, and, and maybe it's, Obviously, it's always, it's always hard when you lose the ball in the final third and have to react as a defender. But I didn't think Ruben Diaz was great. No. I thought Gradiol had another really, really rough yeah. outing. And Walker, I heard an ex-pro on television say Walker's the greatest defender in Premier League history. Um, and I don't know if they were making a joke or <laughs> I didn't hear. if I should send Rio Ferdinand. or I mean, you could probably name a few. A, a few who would yeah. be in the conversation. But... Um, I think he's an English defender, to be fair. But still, um, I thought they really struggled. And I, and I wonder, again, if it isn't this style of play puts a lot of pressure on one-on-one -on -one defenders. On, on, yeah. on defenders yeah, having of to course. act one-on-one. -on -one, yeah. which, which is fine. But if you make a mistake in that situation, right? it's, it's not about collective defense nope. anymore. Once, once, once you play that way, right? Yeah, no, that's for sure. I... As we've said about Ruben Diaz before. We mentioned what he did against Chelsea when he he uh, he air tackled something, someone, the ball. I saw him against Spurs doing something quite similar, trying to anticipate and being completely out of it, and made not not much sense. And on the goal, I just think that for Bailey. Maybe you don't expect Belly to come inside onto his right foot, considering how right. left-footed he is. Maybe Gvardiol gets done and. You know, is sent to get done a twice. Hot dog. But then I think Ruben Diaz takes a bit of a time, and he's late. That's yeah. that's the deflection happens. If you're not late, you block the ball. If you're late, then the ball deflects off you and then goes in the way it did on the goal. So, yeah, Ruben Diaz form I have to say have worried me a lot this season. He's uh, he's certainly not the player, the defender at the level that he was last season. Let's go back to Villa then, because then the obvious question for me is what. I mean, this is a realistic top four candidate. It has to be at this stage, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, their away form is obviously not as strong. Even Unai said on Wednesday night they should have lost at Bournemouth on Sunday, which is true. They should have. Last they were, minute equaliser. Yeah, the they should have. They were not good. And away from home, they have... They have struggled. They have struggled and they struggle usually. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't finish top four. No, for sure not. If they were not in Europe at all, and I know... I know it's, the, it's not the Champions League, so I know they can probably do about with the, the depth they have in their squad to, to field two really strong teams, interesting teams, let's say, both on Thursdays and on Sundays. And 
they might be in Europe in March or something and then have only the Premier League to play for until May and, and then be very good and very efficient. So yeah, I think top six certainly. If you were, if you are a Newcastle, a United, um, well, sorry, but this is the competition, right? It's Newcastle. So Liverpool and City Manchester. and Arsenal are okay. top four guys. You know, the gap, the gap isn't that big, <laughs> but but yes, but yeah, the, you know I, I mean. I'm with you, right? I mean, if we, I'd say 99.9 for for all three of those, yeah. right? So, so then that fourth place for that fourth place, we're talking Spurs, yeah, right? We're talking Manchester United, yeah, we're talking Newcastle and Villa. And we're talking Villa. Yeah. You're not going deeper than that. No, I don't think so. Um, do we want to play the percentage game? Do you want to go yeah. out on a limb and play the percentage game? But even um, of those four, one is even going to miss out on the top six, which is when you think about all those clubs, you think like, how can a, I don't know, United, Spurs, even Newcastle with the momentum that they have now, finished seventh in the Premier League and that's because of Villa's form so if Villa can maintain it I still don't think they can finish top four I think they will just a bit like West Ham did before I think there's a point where it all gets a, a bit too much for you maybe so I, I, what, I, what, what I would say into this is I think injuries are playing a huge factor this season at so many clubs not just everyone, the big yeah, ones yeah. not just in the Premier League we've seen Real Madrid we've seen Milan in the Premier League you know we, mm. we've seen Brighton Brentford for example yeah, yeah, yeah. you know to name but two but I think it's evident to me that Spurs United and uh, Newcastle have all been really affected by injuries I don't think that's happened to obviously they lost Tyrone Mings yeah although to be honest I'm not Sure, like like this this Diego Carlos yeah, Paul Torres yeah, yeah. thing oh, is working really yeah. really well. Paul Conza as well, and, and when Conza plays in the middle, um, they haven't been affected by injuries as much. That's so true. I'm wondering if that could be the discriminant. Maybe. If they're due, if it maybe doesn't happen, because of Unai Emery likes to play with his voodoo dolls and keep his players fit. Yeah. Um, so we said that Villa have won 14 league home games in a row, right? For so the they third so, time. so they claim. Yeah, the last time they lost at home in the league was in February against Arsenal. Who is their next opponent? Arsenal on Saturday. Speaking of... Uh, That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Voodoo. Exactly. So you, you're not answering my question, do you, Baba? We, no, we don't want to play I'm, percentages because it's too early. Come yeah, I'm a bit hesitant. I would love them too, and I think I, they're I, doing an amazing job. They've been the, the third best team in the country since Unai took over a year ago. Um Top Statistically, four. yeah, in terms of statistics, not in real life. Um, oh, it's hard to tell right now. I'll, I'll just say this: too. I wouldn't give anybody more than thirty percent. I, I need to take, it take me a long time to figure out the chances, but I wouldn't give any of those four teams right now yeah. more than thirty percent chance. That's how wide open uh, oh, okay, it is enough. to me. All right, enough city. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Bruno Fernandes missed the penalty, but Scott oh. McTominay bags two goals as Manchester United beat Chelsea 2-1. And now they're only three points behind Manchester City. How about that? Incredible, isn't it? I mean, I thought they played well uh, in that game. It was very important to win after everything that happened in midweek and everything like that after the, uh, the Newcastle game two at the weekend. And we would talk that in the next quick hit. Uh, I mean, Scott McTominay just it cracks me up, really. I mean, what's funny? <laughs> why, why, why is it funny? He's... I don't know. I just think I can see the runs that he makes into the box, and it seems that very often he's just in the right place at the right time. He's brilliant. He could have, could have had. That's a skill he could have too, had that, right? Yeah, but then you see the third chance 
the one that comes onto his left foot and the and it's I'm not, not his fault not everybody's not, too not, not even sure what he's doing but even his idea was wrong but yeah it's, they haven't they, I think that I looked the other day I think they're the only team in the big five league not to have drawn a single league game this season right so it's and, only they win or they lose and that's why they only three points behind City they're not too far actually from the top four even from Arsenal point of view you're saying if they had two points for a win they'd be further back in the table uh, yeah right? I mean yeah, uh, enough with your anti-United no 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 I'm not anti-United I've just praised them so you know it's good right. did this look like a, did this look like a team that's willing to fight right yeah I mean they played on the front okay. foot they, they I thought collectively they were good they pressed well I mean I know Chelsea at times struggled to, to beat the press but you know I thought that was good and talking about United, they had previously banned a number of media organizations, including ESPN, Sky Sports, the Daily Mirror, and the Manchester Evening News from Ten Hag's pre-match press conference, so the, the, the press conference before this Chelsea game, after articles suggesting that there was discontent in the camp. Yeah, so um, they came out in a statement, and they were reacting to, uh, to an article, which, uh, I mean, there were different versions of it, but there were articles which all these outlets had put out. So clearly, well, not clearly, anything, I'm not revealing anything. They all spoke to the same people who said yeah. that, you know, roughly half the squad was against Ten Hag. Was yeah, against they Ten lost Hag, the right? half of the um, And they said what they're angry about is that these, before these articles came out, they didn't come to them. In fact, Ten Hag addressed this afterwards. He said they should have come to us first and not gone behind our back printing articles. That's not the right thing to do. We have a good relationship. They can come to us beforehand, and we have a debate about it. Now, look, Ten Hag is not a newspaper editor, right? So it's not the job of a newspaper person to come to you yeah. and have a debate with you. Uh, but I think what he means is you, they should have gone to him and asked for comment. Yeah. And I think that's fair enough. And that's generally what you're taught to do, is, in my view. Now, obviously, different people have their own standards. But unless you're going to go with... Uh, with, with something that's really of super high news value and is multiply sourced, and, and this might have been, I don't know, yeah, yeah. you have to give a right to reply. And then you know what United's going to do. United States not true, and you, then you can put United declined to comment or whatever, or right? Or deny the allegation, yeah. Um, now, it's a different story if any one of these people had come out and said and put their name to it. Yeah, probably. But, yeah, but. you know, let's face it, right? We live in a world where... Princess Caroline is the um, Caroline of, of Monaco, Monaco. Okay, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure she's a big Monaco fan. And Jason McAteer yeah. used to be uh, a talented Irish fullback, played for Liverpool, among yeah, other clubs. Right. Um, the reality is there are players who have PR people who work for them, and they put these stories in the press to serve their interests. The the stories not, these stories are not made up. It's not like no. these four outlets get together and say, oh, Let's make you know, what lies can we print about United today, right? So that is something that I'm sure Ten Hag and United are aware about, and yeah. it's something that they, need to, that they need to address. And Marcus Rashford was obviously dropped to the bench for this Chelsea game. Not that it might just be in his form because he's obviously in, in terrible form, or it might not be the form. Or it may have something to be with who represents him PR-wise. Maybe. As for Chelsea Jewels, are you seeing progress or are they still treading water? I'm a bit in between. So I'm not having at all a Cucurella right back, Colwell left back, Disassi, Thiago Silva back four to start with. Is Reece James Was Reece James not fit enough to start the game? <laughs> no, I don't know why. But only James to come on at half time. That made no sense whatsoever. I think 
when you don't have any control and you can have all the energy you want and they have good players so they will create chances and we saw chances for Mudrik, uh, Sterling, Nico Jackson had a really good one that he has to take first time instead of controlling the ball, things like that. So they will steal and I think their XG was 1.5 or something. But if you don't have a bit of control from Enzo Caicedo who clearly were overrun in midfield, then you're going to concede far too much. United had like over four XG in that game. And one, okay, right. the penalty is a high XG, obviously. Right. But for the rest, it's the highest, second highest in the league this season after Chelsea against Spurs when they play with 11 men against nine for 40 minutes or something. So it's not good enough on that level from a Chelsea point of view. So Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a concern. I think you're just seeing certain players, even when they play well, and I include Nico Jackson, isn't where they want him to be yet. No? And, you know, he played well by Nico Jackson's standards, and it's still not there. Uh, that, that, was, that was a bad control. Some of his other runs, I thought, were, were empty. I, thought Mudrik, I mean, he loses the ball on the first goal. That's a terrible I, mistake. You know, there's issues with how this team is put together, and it just seems that, you know, it's, it's baby steps on Pochettino. I don't know. Maybe Nkuku comes back. But I don't think he helps it. himself to play with that back four to start with. The back four is like the base of your team anyway. Do you see what I mean? I don't understand. I think he would say he's got injuries, blah, blah. I don't, I don't know. I don't get the Reese James thing, but whatever. Borussia Dortmund are out of the German Cup, Gab. They fall 2-0 away to guards and Seru Girassi keeps scoring again. He's unbelievable, it's so right? Good. so good. Um, yeah, look, this was another really limp performance from Borussia so Dortmund. Um, hey, look, now they can focus on winning the Champions League, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I know what they're saying, but Edin Turtich can't just keep saying, like, oh, we were really bad. We were really bad. Like, it's, it's not taking responsibility. Uh, figure out. Tell me why. You keep changing the, the forwards, whatever. Um, figure out a way to play for full Krug if you're going to play full Krug as your center forward. Yeah. Um, it's really, really disappointing. But big shout out to Stuttgart. Oh, they're, really, they're, so they're, they're for real. Yeah. They're for real. Arsenal stay top of the table with a 4-3 comeback win away to Luton in an absolutely wild game with Declan Rice getting the winner in the seventh minute yeah. of injury time. Jules, this was Harry. You can go all ice, ice, baby. But this was Harry, just like the Wolves game was Harry at the end, and yet they still win. Yeah, they still won. I mean, the character in that team. Uh, <clears throat> you said late winner in the 97th minute. They had a late equalizer at Chelsea, a late winner against United, against City as well. They were 3 against two Brentford. Down. They were 3-2 three, 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 down, two down because they didn't, they didn't defend well on set pieces and David Raya had a bit of a, of a bad night. But I thought they played well apart from that. They created a lot of chances enough even before the late fourth goal. I was glad for Kai Havertz, who I thought had a really good game. Gabriel Jesus as well, your best friend. And in the end, I think it's those kind of wins that just bring something extra special. Now we say they're going to play at Villa on Saturday, so that might be a very different outcome to it. But I think to have that mental strength is something very important. I, I think it's really important that you, and I said this after the Wolves game, like you need to learn about what the weaknesses are. Not, not just celebrate, and I'm sure at this point, Art, I said that's hammering home. Yeah. You conceded three goals to Luton Town. Yeah, yeah. You need to think about this. You know, you nearly you, you could have conceded uh, against Wolves at the weekend. Yeah, and I'm sure that's what Arteta's yeah. looking at right now. But but it's huge, huge wins. Liverpool, meanwhile, beat Sheffield United away two 0 to stay within two points of Arsenal. But Gab, this was not easy. Not it was very very tight because the second goal came deep in injury time. I thought Sheffield United and the new boss Chris Wilder. 
I thought they had some things to say about the referee. I'm not so much the Van Dyke goal where nah. Ahmed does, I thought uh, Ahmed Oshich maybe makes a, a meal of it. But McAtee, I don't see how that wasn't a penalty. I don't know if there's something I missed. Um, I thought they had every reason to, to be a little bit uh, concerned. And look, if you're Liverpool, yeah, you're second on the table. But you also know you can, you've got several other notches that you can kick it up to and you need I to mean, kick it up to those Liverpool notches. Liverpool have the best defence in the league and they've already played away at City, away at Chelsea. Uh, they've played away at Newcastle. Okay, maybe the problem like is that. the attack, but this is not... No, but I'm just saying... Liverpool like, can be a lot better than this. Yeah, but they're still, even with that, they're still the best defence in so the league. So this is a reminder that maybe... Do we need to take the crown of best team uh, from City and give it to Liverpool? I don't know if we need. Or do we give it to the top of the table? This is impressive. Jurgen Klopp looks snippy in the post-game interview. Maybe because he agrees with me that this was not a great performance. Maybe. Uh, And when he was, the the presenter made a joke about, oh, uh, the the, the 12.30 kickoff, which they have against Palace on Saturday. He said, like, oh, it's your favorite kickoff time. Were you surprised that he looked genuinely annoyed? Really angry. I would have reacted the same way. I was like, why are you making a joke like this? What's, what's this? Like, this is a post-match interview. The guy comes onto the pitch to be in your little setup. Right. Who is all... paid to be, right, by the way. Yeah, but it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. And then you kind of make a joke that he's unhappy. He's been unhappy before about early Saturday kickoffs. But I don't think that's on. For me, I know we disagree on this. I don't think that's on. I don't think you should make a joke like that. I mean, why would you make a joke with your gun club in the first place anyway? He's not well, your friend. I don't know if it's a joke, but if he, he just wanted to bring up the topic to see if Klopp said something about yet another 12.30 kickoff. Say it differently than say you play again at 12.30, you don't like this. And Klopp would say, no, I don't like this. This is why, blah, 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 blah. And I know you said Klopp should go and tell his boss to see with the Premier League to stop having them right, playing right, right. early on. Fair enough. But I, I didn't think that was on at all and I completely understand what Klopp did. I, I don't think it helps Klopp's image, which is generally a very positive one because then he kind of went back to it. The, the guy tried to apologize and whatever and then the way he walked off. I think Klopp probably regrets doing that. Um, we can debate whether... It depends on the relationship you have. This this guy who did it, you know, this this game was on Amazon. It's not somebody who interviews Klopp regularly. regularly? No, um, maybe that was, maybe that was what set him off. Maybe. And we had confirmation as well, Gab, that Joel Matip suffered an ACL injury, and he's out for the season. Do Liverpool need to go back? On the transfer window now, the transfer market to get another centre back. I think they do. I, I know Konate is, is is obviously fit again. Played uh, started the last game anyway. Yeah. Um, but given the stakes, given what Liverpool are facing, I don't think you can go the rest of the way with three centre backs. Um, you know, you've you've been in there, especially one of them is Joe Gomez, who's you know yeah. light and darkness and also then you've got Kwanzaa. of of injuries, right? Kwanzaa who's a young player, who's yeah. young and hasn't played very much. Yeah, um, I would feel better about it if they had that in fact ideally I would get one of those center backs who can also do a job in defensive midfield because while I love the Wataro Indu story and the great goal and blah 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 I I don't like to see Alex Alexis McAllister playing there um, there's certain yeah. games when I want more muscle so that's the perfect world or maybe it's somebody who can play center back and play right back as well yeah so that maybe you you got those options I think it's a numbers game now that you're down to three I think you see if to seriously think about it Marseille beat up Lyon 3-0 in the fixture oh, yeah. that was rearranged after the attack on the Lyon team bus and the injury to then-coach Fabio Grosso, who, of course, was, was later sacked, yes, um, even course. though he delivered Rightly Lyon's so. only win yeah, of the season, he was personally. Terrible. He was terrible. Jules, three defeats in a row, last play, six points from safety. What do we tell our boy John Texter? You're in the mud, Johnny. You're absolutely in the mud, and you have a lot of yourself to blame for it. Uh... Pierre Sage, who 
his first game was the defeat at Lens, where actually they played they played well. Uh, nothing happened on Marseille, at Marseille on Wednesday night. They were terrible, Lyon. I don't know if Pierre Sage or Stone Wise, if you want to call him uh, with his English name, uh, <laughs> is the right man for the job. I love him. He's got a great story, but I'm not sure this is what you need right now to just get this group together. Start them just, just grabbing, like not even playing well. It's not about playing well, it's just getting points now. And whatever way you want to do that, grinding them out. I'm not sure if Pierre Sage is the right guy. So they're looking at Sampaoli, they're looking even at Pep Genesio. I mean, come on. Sampaoli? Yeah. When you need stability at your club, that's who you're going to bring in. I'm just, yeah. Uh, so we will see. But that was a terrible game. And good for, for Gattuso because Marseille played well, front two of Vitinian, Obama Young, Harit as a 10. I loved. The back three, I love the law of the things that tactically Gattuso did in that game. So He's getting a shoot out of big He's Vitinha, isn't he? He's getting there. He's is getting this, there. But we still think lower, small Vitinha is still the better Vitinha. Yeah, I think so. And both of them are better than Vitinho. Yes. Okay, just definitely, definitely. Bayer Leverkusen beat Paderborn in the German Cup 3-1. Gab, they're favorites now, aren't they? Uh, I think so. I mean, it's them or Stuttgart. And yeah. obviously, you know, they've got the league to contend. I mean, Stuttgart do too. But then obviously they've got the, um, the, the Champions League as well. Um, I thought this was impressive. I like the fact that Patrick Schick is back, even though Boniface has scored 14 goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think, you know, again, numbers game in certain competitions, if Schick can do a job of yeah, it, Schick sure. very different from Boniface. In the Europa League, you meant the Europa League. For the Europa League, I think they've got enough in their squads, you know, to be everywhere. Brighton come from behind to beat Brentford 2-1 as 18-year-old Jack Hinshelwood scores the winner. Jules, it's one of those stories we love. Incredible, Gabby. I mean, one, he's got an incredible family legacy in football. His dad played, uh, was a pro, his uncle, his granddad, his other uncle. I mean, everybody in the his family. His great-granddad, too. Fourth-generation footballer. Yeah, wow. Incredible. And, and the also, secret, the real secret, what? his middle name is Italian. Oh, okay. my word. Uh, and Brighton have those kids keep scoring. Incredible. Bayern have announced the signing of Granada's Spanish wonder kid, Brian Saragossa. And he's a bargain at 50 million euros. Yeah, uh, great price. I'm, I'm assuming there's some sort of release clause involved. They have not looked into yeah, it. I'm just more excited by him. 14 million. Jules, he's so little. He's, <laughs> he's 1 meter 64 tall. He's allowed. He's smaller than Maradona. He's, he's obviously got the dribbling skills. Um, we saw against Barca, an amazing goal. A tremendous Kunde. performance yeah. there. He's already been called up uh, by Luis de la Fuente for, yeah. the, uh, for the Spanish national team. And it's interesting because I think he's different from the other wingers at Bayern. Really interesting to see what he does. 22 years old. Sticking with Bayern, Thomas Tuchel has complained repeatedly about his injuries at centre-back. Yeah. Now he's been linked with a loan move for Clément Langlais. What? Who is at Villa, on loan from Barcelona, and I think has played about as much as you have in the league. Well, he has played Europa League, to <laughs> be fair. He's played, he's played, I think, a little bit. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. What, if you're Thomas Tuchel, why would you, like... What, you would just want a body like Clément Langlais? You don't want a good, like, a good player? I love Clément yeah. Langlais, but... Or maybe Clement Longley has the right agent who's good at getting his clients in the news. Maybe, maybe. I mean, let's move on from Clement Longley. The Premier League have sold their domestic rights, Gab, for around $8.4 billion, which is a record. So that's, that's for the four-year period, not per year, obviously. Yeah. And so, and I've been saying this for a while, it's actually less yeah. than what they were getting 10 years ago yeah. uh, if you adjust for inflation. Um, these rights, they made a big deal out of this. Oh, look, the rights have gone up uh, by 4%. 4%, not a lot, not compared to when they used to go up by like 30%. Yeah. And also, they're including many, many more games That's right. um, in the package. So I don't 
And look, the Premier League is the most successful football league in the world, by, by, by far, by orders of magnitude, better run, whatever. I don't think it's a knock on the Premier League. I'm not pointing this out that this is nothing to write home about or nothing to really yeah. celebrate. I'm pointing this out to say that I think the value of media rights has hit its ceiling. The international rights are still really, really big, and I do have a comp coming up on this, but they're also really big because, and again, they're by far the biggest and, 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 and the best in the world, but they're also really big because... There's a lot of countries that put money in. Well, also one of the biggest buyers is the biggest contracts with B in sport, where I don't think they necessarily operate as a business as much as it is as a, you know, as an exercise yeah, in BR and growth true. and whatever. And the second biggest is with Viaplay, which they have a statement up on their, which is the Scandinavian broadcaster. Yeah. They have a statement up on their uh, website saying that they're entering bankruptcy proceedings. Um, so, you know, I think all of this needs to be taken. That's very true. But I have to say this to praise the Premier League. They kind of understand that you can't rely on television the way you did on the past. And they've taken contingencies. There's three ways football clubs make money, right? They make money through television, yeah. which I think is not going to grow anymore or at least yeah. <clears throat> until somebody figures something else out. Um, you make money through stadiums, and they've obviously invested heavily in stadiums. But the problem with that is it's not like you can build a 250,000-seat stadium. It's not like you can jack up yeah, yeah. ticket prices or otherwise the fans get angry. Yeah, there's a ceiling as well. And you can make money through, uh, you, you can get sponsorship and commercial income, which is fine to a point. And I think they've kind of gone down, I kind of on a rabbit hole with like, you know, crypto Bob and like, you know, weirdo bookmakers that nobody's ever heard of. I don't know how long, much longer that's going to continue. So I think all of this to me points that while still remaining super successful, the only way they're going to keep making money is if they can control costs. And I think this harkens towards either a salary cap or or or, or something like that. I think yeah. that's the direction of travel. I think what's interesting as well is that Amazon, who currently have some of the right, not much, but they show games uh, Christmas or Easter, this midweek, this midweek run was all on Amazon, won't be there in the next yeah. round. They've lost their rights. Where we see them with the zone in Italy, in France, there was clearly not, either the offer was not big enough or they didn't want to come again on the, the Premier League market. It, but it's quite interesting because in France, for example, we see the next step as we, we will deal with non-traditional television channels if right. you want. So you say like, that's back, they've had that, right? So that, oh, Apple will bid, Facebook yeah, will exactly. bid, Everybody, Google will bid. Yeah, exactly. But guess what, they're not. Clearly not for the Premier League. So I think for the French who are expected a lot on that, I, like, I think rights right. just can't keep growing because the, 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 there's changes in the model, there's changes yeah, yeah, in how yeah, people watch sure. television, and there's piracy as well, so there's a lot of factors. That's for sure. After knocking out Bayern Munich, Saarbrücken have done it again in the German Cup with a 2-0 win over Eintracht Frankfurt, who, let me remind you, are seventh in the Bundesliga. That's right. Jules, not bad for amazing, a third division team. Amazing fairy tale story, the Minos, everything you want to call them. Obviously, they are half French, let's be honest. Uh, so we right on the border. Right yeah. on the border with but Germany. It, isn't it on the border with Alsace where they actually speak German? They speak French and German. All of that is the same. But it's a like bunch cousins. of people like Arsene Wenger. They're not exactly. really French. It's just as German as French. They're a bit of both. Incredible. And, and they played well and they deserve, against Bayern, you could say that they kind of Rode their leg a little bit. But yeah, where do where will they stop? I, I really hope, I haven't seen the draw. I don't think the draw has been made. Maybe there's another game maybe on sure Thursday night. So I really hope that they can get maybe a, a kinder draw than Bayern and Frankfurt back to back to go even further in the competition. It's a great story. 
Some family members of those who lost their lives at Hillsborough have called the government response to the Hillsborough Independent Panel an, in, an, an absolute insult, Gab. Yeah, so, again, um, it, it's just a sad story, and it just keeps... It's almost like even after, you know, really having a, a, an independent inquiry, even after David Cameron apologized on behalf of the government, it seems like they're just, they're just extending this forever in ways that are painful. So the Hillsborough Independent Panel, which was convened um, to, to kind of establish more of the facts yeah. and what can be done to make sure it doesn't happen again, it delivered its report in 2017. So now nearly seven years later, it takes you know, yeah. seven years for the government to, uh, uh, to, to respond. One of its recommendations was to introduce what they call the duty of candor, which basically meant that you have to have more transparency to prevent cover-ups, and it would be enshrined in the law. Transparency, not just from police officers, but from public servants, because we now know that there was a cover-up at, yeah. at Hillsborough, and people were lied to. Um, They've decided. They've basically said, no, we don't need to extend it to public servants, and they have their reasons, and you can agree with them or disagree with them. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not qualified to do that. What I find really hard to accept is this happened in 2017 that the recommendation was made, and these people had to wait nearly seven years for an answer. Yeah. That is the part That's I cannot wrap my head around. Nick Pope will be out for four months, and according to reports, David De Gea is open to talking to Newcastle. Well, we're referencing all these people who have the same guys looking after them. I don't know, maybe. Funny how they keep getting in the news. Yeah. But would he be a good idea, Jules? I don't know. Would you trust Would you trust Dubravka to play at a decent level for four months in the Champions League, in the league where there's a lot of stake? I'm not would so sure. Would you trust sure. De Gea, who hasn't played for six months? True. Would you go and get somebody else who's not playing, who's on the bench, for example, in another good club? Would would other good clubs in the Premier League do allow that? I'm not. I'm not sure where you go really. What happens if you sign De Gea and then Pope comes back and De Gea has I, been good? Would well, De Gea is okay to go on the bench for no, the last I, two months of the season or something? So I would strongly consider De Gea, also on the basis that in terms of the type of keeper he is, even physically, there's a lot of similarities between him and and and, and Pope in terms of kind of like you know being sort of the tall, thin, lanky uh, goalkeeper. But I would say David. Dude, you didn't want to go to Saudi. You've hung out. You're coming for six months. I will pay you good money, but yeah. we do we do a six month deal. So yeah, um, because I don't want to do anything to undermine my faith in Nick Pope. If at the end of those six months he's done really well, that way he's you're not he's not on the hook and you're not on the hook. But they but, would not give anybody more than six months anyway, right? I don't know. If David De Gea says, "Oh, look, I'll come, but only if you give me you know a year and, and a half or whatever," should go to your risk and come. Hugo Lloris, there you go. There you go. Yeah. He's, he's I, David De Gea annoys me because he keeps putting those videos where he trains, right? Have you seen yeah. those videos where he trains on his own? <laughs> Always with an NBA shirt on, like like jersey on. But that, that doesn't even look... It's like me on holidays. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Come on, please. Do you think David De Gea be can serious. dunk? I'm pretty sure he can dunk. Right? Do you think he can dunk? I wonder if he can dunk. He's got to be like, what, like 6'4"? Six, 6'3"? Six, yeah, three? yeah. Right? So he's yeah. a professional athlete. Yeah, but remember, he was he never be. good in the air. So I'm not sure how high he jumps. <laughs> I don't, do you think his hands are big enough to... To hold the ball? the ball in one I don't know. Maybe yeah, do I don't the know. Two I don't know. We'll ask him. Hey, you know what, David, if you're watching, send us a video of yourself dunking. <laughs> we, we've done this before with, uh, with a guy from FIFPro, right? Yeah. Who said he could dunk. I was Jonas, wasn't it? Yeah, Jonas Bear Hoffman. I was yeah. skeptical that he could dunk, but he was true to his word. He sent us a video of himself dunking. We were not sure how high the, the hoop was, remember? <laughs> yeah, he looked a bit, you know, but. Um, but no, I, no, impressive. Yeah. Wild stuff at the Women's Nations League gap that finished uh, this midweek. England beat Scotland 6 0, but go out on goal difference because Holland 
beat Belgium thanks to two injury time goals. So they had a better goal difference before the game that England had to make up. And because of those two late goals, the Dutch are actually going through to the final four with France, Spain and Germany. Yeah, uh, very exciting stuff. Um, just simply because it went down to the wire. Incredible. I just said it went down to goal difference. What was interesting here is there's a lot of people, and we've talked about this before, that said, wait a minute. It's not just about qualifying for the Nations League. It's also about getting into the Olympics, the Olympics which is a big deal in women's football. That's massive. It's a really big deal. And people have queried, should England and Scotland have been in the same group because, as you know, yeah. for complicated, stupid reasons which annoy the crap out of me, yeah. um, they're pretending that these are four sovereign countries, right, rather than just four FAs. And so, but the Olympics don't recognize that. So, England and Scotland yeah. would be would play in a, in a combined. Logically, they should combine play in a combined United Kingdom team since that's the actual country. But no, no. because they like to make up rules as they go along. <laughs> they play in something called Team GB, like yeah, Great Britain. Great Britain team. But anyway, some of the Scottish players would presumably be part of that. Uh, so the idea is it could potentially give the appearance of impropriety. We know that's. Presumably not the case. Otherwise, Scotland would have allowed England to beat them 10-0. So presumably yeah. they, they, they played. You just yeah, had the, played. a lot of drama. This is a situation which, by the way, should be avoided. They should have had a proviso where Scotland cannot be in the same group yeah, as England. Massively. When yeah, yeah. you've got something. It's, I know it's not a UEFA competition, but still, UEFA, IOC, talk to each other yeah, and avoid for sure. this. Yeah, for sure. FIFA released the written reasons for banning Luis Rubiales, and they include a submission from uh, uh, FA chairperson Debbie Hewitt, which accuses Rubiales of, quote, cupping and stroking the face of one England player and, quote, kissing another on the face. Uh, Jules? I mean, come on. This is in addition to the kiss on Jenny Hermoso, which cost him his job. The players, I believe, were Lucy Bronze and yeah. Uh, uh, Coombs. Yeah. I mean, this blows my mind even more, that the guy... Okay, at least, well, it's not at least. Jenny Amoso and Rubiales had known each other before. They've talked before to each other. You know, they had a, they had a professional relationship as a head of the FA and a, the, the best player in the women's team, right? I'm not defending him, but he knew Lucy Bronze as well because he was involved with her when she went and she played in Spain. What's the relationship when she played for Barcelona? He's the head of the FA. So once that, he saw her maybe after the game, what, they follow each other on Instagram maybe? I have no, no idea. So, so because you have that, you can go and, and like caress their face and, and like kiss try to kiss the them. I mean, come on. Who, who, who does that? This is what, what, what world do you live in? Yeah, what, what I will say here is, look, I'm glad he's gone. What happened was unacceptable. Um, I don't think you should have this sort of familiarity unless you do have a legit relationship. And again, maybe they do, maybe they don't, where they kiss each other whenever they see each other. I don't know. There's different customs. This is not like the Jenny Hermoso kiss in the mouth. But what I have a serious problem with is... And all of this is on video, by the way. I have several issues with this. All of this happened after the Jenny Hermoso thing. And I wonder about, did this, this Debbie Hewitt, about, you noticed all of this at the time, right? This happened at the time. It's not like, oh, I didn't notice at the I time. Mean, maybe she waited for the investigation to start and to, to say. Why? Why can't you speak about Lucy it? Lucy Bronze like and, and Laura Coombs is the other one that you mentioned. Maybe they didn't want it to be in the public eye straight away because they didn't want to be... Ask question, okay. but you know, know there was a moment here when it looked as if Rubiales was going to hang on as head of the Spanish FA. Yeah, and the way I see it, if you care about this issue and you should care about this issue um, as a human being, uh, not just as a woman, um, the more pressure you can put on him about his behavior towards women and casually touching and whatever, 
you would have made sure that this story comes out because there's video, right? So I find it extraordinary that the FA oh, no. were not aware of it. Maybe maybe they just Lucy, Lucy Bronze, maybe they didn't notice in the heat of the moment. Whatever. Maybe they weren't affected. I don't know. But you know that this guy is under investigation. You can't have somebody at the FA watching the video and say, "Wait a minute, he did this to our players but maybe too." Maybe they did privately, not publicly. Right. But why not make it public? Why would you? But maybe because they so were just for the investigation. They kept it for the investigation. I don't know. But you know that realistically, with the investigation, FIFA aren't going to ban them unless there is enough. There is enough public yeah, pressure, yeah. right? And you know that yeah, he was maybe. even in Spain. You could this, this could have helped. This could have been an issue, right? I don't understand why you would just sit on this. How is it possible that nobody notices for six months? Yeah, I mean, look, maybe. I'm glad the outcome is a positive outcome. Yeah, yeah. From my view, because, yeah. you know, even the fact that he's not recognizing, he's still kind of not really recognizing or apologizing. No, I mean, he's not is... to my satisfaction. Shows that, you know, he just doesn't belong there. Yeah. But I, 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 w I would hope somebody asked them, wait, why did we sit on this for six months? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I see, I see what you mean. The final six minutes of Valvik's game against Ajax, which was abandoned, remember, due to injury to the Valvik goalkeeper Etienne Vassen, was dutifully played on Wednesday. The score stayed at 3-2, but there was a nice gesture from Ajax. You know, we've been really critical of Ajax. You've I, mocked I, them for it on the so. table. Of You've mocked them. They keep getting managed by Dutch guys. It, yeah. they, they can't help it, right? But... Um, this is really nice. Uh, they gave, they, they produced these scarves that said six minutes, and there were about 250 Ajax fans who made the trip from Amsterdam to Valvike, and they decided to reimburse their travel. Now, I went on Google Maps. And, How far is Valvike? Because I had an idea. It's, it's a tube ride. It's a tube ride. It's not a tube ride. <laughs> it's about an hour and 20 minutes by car. It's, it's about an hour and a half by, uh, on public transport, right? But still, there's 250 still, people yeah. who went there to watch six minutes. Yeah, I had a bit more with the warm-up. You stay after for a beer. You know, if, you go. if you're Ajax, you need some good press. Yes, exactly. This is good press. Exactly. Luis Suarez has said farewell to Gremio. Next stop, Inter-Miami, Jules. Yeah, it was good for Gremio. He scored, assisted, many goals. He nearly won the title. Yeah, they nearly won the title. They were very happy with him. I think Inter-Miami is the next destination, of course, to be reunited with Leo. He said, he, he did a, an interview on Uruguayan radio the other night where he said that he, he, he needs injections in his knee to be actually playing. So I, I, It's just what I want to hear if I'm about to sign this guy. No, but I'm, I'm sure Jorge Mas and David Beckham and everybody knows about, know about it, Tata Martino, all of that. It's, it's more like he, say, he even said that he can't even play football with his boy when they're in the house because his knees just can't, he can't, he can hardly walk without the injection. So the guy, either he loves Leo Messi so much that he cannot not go and play a little bit more with him, or he just loves football, or both maybe, loves football so much that he can't stop right now without one more goal of playing with Messi. But other than that, why? I mean, why would you, like, if it's really that bad, I mean, it's, this day is worse. It's not me putting right. stuff in his... He said, like, without injections, I can't play. I can't even play football in the house with my son because my knees are too bad. And yet, you, you want to go through that again to go. I mean, fair play to I, him. He must really love football and Messi to do that. I'm not a doctor. Um, I would hope for his own case sake that he is getting the best possible medical advice and that yeah, these injections... Yeah, think so. But look, maybe they're injections... He takes tablets and everything for the that's pain. Fine. I don't have a problem with you taking tablets no, to no, play. No, no, but it's not it right. It becomes a problem if 
it can cause lasting damage to you. But you right? could see that when he runs anywhere, when he plays. You could see that he doesn't run but it freely. Because he's old. I don't, I don't no, know. No, 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 but still. But I'm saying know. it's a decision you have to make in terms of safeguarding your body. It's, it's only his decision. Yeah, but um, he's made it already, right? Because he's going to Inter Miami. I don't think it's done yet. But well. yeah, but, but I'm saying, but if, if you make this decision to play with these injections and whatever, uh, you're free to make that decision. I, I think you should have all the information. Yeah, you have she all must the information, do. You know, you, you, you're still going to do that. There's also some athletes who do this. I, I know it happens all the time in professional wrestling where they will take these painkillers or, or in the NFL even and say, I'm putting my faith that in 20 years' time, medical science will have reached a level where I won't have this problem. They'll be able to treat me. It's a gamble you're taking. Yeah. For sure. The UFA Women's Champions League has a new former Gab. Is it a good idea? Yeah, well, I guess since they have the Swiss model in the men's game, they're going Swiss model for the women's That's game right. uh, as well. Um, they're basically going from 16 to 18 teams. And instead of having, right now they have four groups and it's just like it is now where mm. teams playing each other home and away. They're still only going to play each other six times, but... They'll have like a seeding system, and it's going to be Swiss model. This is from 2025, I think. Yeah, I don't know if this generates more interest. Interest. I think the way the UEFA, and I've said this before, I'm not picking on them, but the way the UEFA Women's Champions League has been marketed, um, you know, the broadcaster that they sold them to, and everything, this should be a bigger deal. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And it's not. And I think it's a bit of missed opportunity so far. I think they really need to think about it. They potentially have something valuable. Yeah. I'll even go so far while people know I'm against the Super League. I do think that maybe there is an argument for something Super League-ish. Yeah. Because could that be it, though? Could sorry? This, could this be it? Could this be a little bit like that? Yeah, but you're still playing just six games. Yeah, but, true, true. You know, yeah, maybe you are on your way to it. You know, maybe uh, there are ways to think about it. I mean, people have highlighted this before, right? One of the things about the, uh, the, the, women's, the women's League here in England, which... And normally it's called the Women's Super League as well. Yeah. Um, but is that, you know, you've got four or five teams that have all the resources and yeah. they just destroy everybody all the time. Um, same thing where we saw Barcelona dominating. I don't think that helps a league grow unless yeah. you're the kind of because people, I mean, un unless you're a child or a fan of the SEC or a moron, you know, it's not fun to see teams win 10 nil. Like and not not at least not not how I see football. No, I yeah, see competitive yeah. football, right? Yeah. So they need to think about it creatively. I think potentially it's a great resource. I think this could be, let's say, there's no club competition that comes close to international women's game in terms in, in the women's game in terms of drawing attention, right? Yeah. Could this be it? If they're if they're smart, if they find come up with the right solutions, I think potentially it could be. Yeah. Jude Bellingham has won the Golden Boy Award. Jules, you like your awards. Ah. And you especially like this one. Of course, because I'm a jury in it. So I get to vote, which I'm very happy. Did you vote happy. for Jude Bellingham? Are you allowed I to tell us? I did vote for Jude Bellingham. He won with the, with the biggest... Well, it's like, who else could, who else could anybody... Wait, I you guess know, Gavi? Like yeah, I mean, Gavi won last year, so he could not win again. Oh my God, wait. No, seriously, who finished second? Musiala was second, which I think is, is a fair, I suspect. Which means he can win it next year. So Lamin Yamal finished third, so he might win it next year. Or maybe Chavis Simmons, who was also in the top five. He was in my top five, too. I, 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 by, by the way, I find my top five was the top five. Just mm -hmm. saying. 
So, you know, this is good. I love, I love those awards. They, they also did like, who was the best sporting director? Oh, gee, wait, wait, wait. Who won that one? Edu from Arsenal. Oh, well done, Edu. Obvious best choice. coach. You know, there was a lot. There was a lot of uh, things happening. Everybody was there, nicely dressed, loads of really good guests, good speakers. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's lovely. I know you hate individual awards. I just I never get why. invited to them because... Yeah, because you hate them. They know that. Married, so, you know, yeah. it's like that. Newcastle United are polling fans about redeveloping St. James's Park. Gab, would you like to see it? What would so, you like this ties back to what I said before. Newcastle realized they're not going to make so much money from TV yeah. going forward. So, can we make St. James Park bigger? Is it possible? Um, do we want to build another stadium next to St. James Park, which they've also suggested, and yeah, yeah. maybe turn the old St. James Park into something else? How can we monetize this? Because there aren't that many ways to do it. This yep. is the reality for football clubs. Emotionally, I mean, first of all, I think this decision belongs to Newcastle fans and season ticket holders. I think they will be respectful to that. Yeah. These are just very, very first steps. I don't think they're going to move from that location. I think it would be stupid. To move from that location yeah, because yeah. it is I was thinking of locations of football grounds in European cities which I know is kind of a niche thing I don't know that there's too many better than St. James Park you know is it from the city center you mean yeah. to where yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know the Bernabeu is in what has now become sort of the extended city I mean and that's obviously right up there yeah yeah I don't like out of town stadiums no nope. I love the fact that you can walk to the San Siro, but, you know, that's also not really that's not yeah, the center. Yeah, it's a bit of a walk. Um, but it's also a nice part of town. True. So Just I, because that's where you're from. Well, you know. Um, but, but no, but seriously, I, I just think it just shows you everybody's thinking about it. And yeah. look, if there's one thing the Saudis are good at, or not many things, but we know that they're good at building things, yeah. right? <laughs> quickly. And they've well. built a lot of stuff very quickly. So, <laughs> no, I think it's really important, though, that this fan survey, and I'd love to see for this fan survey also to be, to be public. Yeah, so that that's a good they point. know exactly where their fans stand. Back to Leon Jules. When it rains and pours, oh. more bad news has emerged about what might happen if they end up in the relegation playoff. That's right, Gab, because the, um, if you finish third from bottom in, in Ligue 1, you're going to play a team from the second division uh, who won their like, like mini playoff, if you want. Home and away ties, and then the winner, obviously, on aggregate, either is promoted to Ligue 1 or stays in Ligue 1 if he's the Ligue 1 team. And uh, people have found out that if Lyon are playing that relegation playoff, their home game on June the 2nd won't be able to be played at the Groupama Stadium because that night, June the 2nd, Taylor Swift is in town. And, you know, it's, it's her gig, it's her stadium. Yeah. All the tickets have been sold. So there's no way to move that. Yeah. Leon are a massive club, but I tell you what, there's many more Swifties out there than there are Leon fans. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, can they play in the morning at like 8 a.m.? <laughs> I, 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 I guess they could, they, they could reverse the tie maybe, play the first leg at home, even though maybe you lose advantage. You know, maybe, yeah, I don't know what uh, they're going to do. Or play on, like, in another ground. Like, go to play Saint-Étienne. Saint Etienne. Yes, you'll get lots of local support there. They'll really like you there. Oh, my God. What a mess. <laughs> what a mess. Over to Brazil, where Santos' home, def- home defeat against... Fortaleza means that they have been relegated from the Brazilian top flight, Gabi, for the first time in their history. Yeah, now we should mention the Brazilian top flight in terms of being a league where you play everybody home and away and relegation. It's changed yeah. over the years. They've had many different formats. It's much. It's not like, you know, uh, in, 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 in Spain or, or in England where it's been going for like 100 years the same format. That said... 
And I think the current format it dates back roughly to around 2002-2003. That said, this is Santos. This is oh, this is nice. a team of Pelé. This is the team that 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 won the um that, that, that won the Club World Cup. They won the Libertadores three times. Most recently in 2011, they were yep. Brazilian champions in 2004. Where I believe it was that when they had a young Robinho. I think maybe yeah. Um, Neymar in 2011. Uh, you know this this is one of the great historic clubs yeah. in terms of name recognition um, the fans a, went mad didn't they after the game they burn everything and like they riot it and you know they're not you can understand it. also yeah. because they on the last day of the season the draw would have been enough exactly, uh, yeah. to keep them up and that was at home against Fortaleza and so. Vasco yeah Vasco stayed up instead um, they found a winner late and Palmeiras Palmeiras champions, champions. Andrik, how about that yeah. big shout out to my boys uh, Palmeiras Palestra Italia here we go Jules that brings us to an end but we got to come oh, back on Monday. This weekend. Some big, big games this weekend. I'm hyped and I'm amped. And yes, Catalan jersey. Vamos Girona, maybe. Uh, until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. 